Here's a little story of how I built a Bitcoin Lightning payments app used by more than 10,000 users at the time running on two Raspberry Pis from my bedroom. My conclusion? The banks are so f***ed. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we've got a short, really short Twitter thread today that we are going to read. I hesitated calling this a read because it's literally like four minutes, maybe five minutes. Um, it's even shorter than Marty's bent, Marty's bent from the other day. But it's another one of those things that just hits an idea that's so much fun to dig into. And I think it paints such an amazing picture of why Bitcoin and like, it's hard to imagine why things are changing or why things, things are going to have such a huge impact. And it's one of the reasons I analogize to kind of the history of the internet, because I think the phase that we are going through and the things that Bitcoin and lightning enables, it's very comparable to what the internet did to a lot of different, to the information and the media industries. And I think what we're seeing is protocols taking over all of the systems by which we interact and work with each other, like the communication systems. Well, it is all communication systems. Money is simply one of those communication systems. Arguably, it's the most foundational. But I think this little story that Cali BTC, who is, is doing Cashew, which is the Fediment um, system, you can get the Cashew BTC wallet. If you haven't checked out Fediments yet, I will have the link to everything that he's up to in uh, the things in his uh, profile um, in the show notes. So it should be right there in the description below the episode. But we are going to, I don't want to lead this too much. We're just going to jump right into the Twitter thread and then we will have a guy's take afterward. Really quick though, I want to thank our sponsors who are Fold, the Sats Back on Everything card. If you are not earning sats back on your purchases, on your bills, on your groceries, you got to check out Fold, guyswan.com slash fold. And then another huge thank you to Swan Bitcoin, the onboarding place for Bitcoiners. If you are trying to get into Bitcoin, if your friend or family member is trying to get into Bitcoin, please just start at Swan Bitcoin. It is going to save you a massive amount of trouble, a ton of headache, and probably going to keep you from losing a whole lot of money. Swan Bitcoin is the resource you need. Start there. And then lastly, you're going to learn this at Swan, but you need to keep your Bitcoin keys safe. And one of the most secure and most versatile ways to do that is with the Cold Card hardware wallet. The Cold Card Mark IV is an excellent hardware wallet, and the Cold Card Q1, which has the QR code scanner and the bigger screen, is going to be out very soon. Check them both out with uh, discount codes and special links right there in the show notes. With that... Let's get into today's read, and it's titled The Banks Are So F***ed by Kali BTC. Here is a little story of how I built a Bitcoin Lightning payments app used by more than 10,000 users at the time running on two Raspberry Pis from my bedroom. My conclusion, the banks are so f***ed. You're looking at the physical form of the early Lightning tip bot, a Telegram bot with a Bitcoin Lightning wallet. The whole setup has been moved to professional hardware in a data center ever since, which is why I can share this curious story that I wanted to tell for so long. This little thing is running Bitcoin Core, LND, LNBits, and the bot itself. Both devices back themselves up to the other device every 20 minutes, we also ran a relay server in a data center as a gateway for HTTPS traffic for offering LNURL services. Quote tweet of the Lightning Tip Bot. Did you know you can receive Bitcoin Lightning payments on your very own tipping page? Visit ln.tips slash at Lightning Tip Bot. All communication to the internet was either through this relay server or through Tor. Nobody would have ever known that I was running this from my home. 
But Callie, are you f***ing crazy? Why the hell did you do this? Nobody should ever do this. Well, depends. The reason why we chose to do this at all was because I was afraid of running a remote server with funds on it. Not your hardware, not your keys, and not your keys, not your coins. In that regard, this was maximum security. We used Tor and later Tailscale to connect to the relay. When I had internet issues, rarely, I could literally move the device to another place and plug in the LAN cable and it would come back up five minutes later. Here it is running at a friend's place during an outage. And there's an image of these two little raspberry pies sitting behind some books on a shelf. It's pure magic internet money. Just imagine it, Anon. Some random dude uses hardware for a few hundred bucks to build an entire payment system and run it in his bedroom to service people doing payments in South Africa. See for yourself. The payment in this video was made during that time. It's a Raspberry Pi. On the other side of the planet, someone is selling an apple with it. It's a real transaction. Literally, Anon, just imagine it. Imagine you'd be a bank or PayPal or Visa. Why do I tell this story? I don't know, I think it's inspiring. You can build this yourself. You don't have to ask anyone. Nobody can stop you. Nobody needs to know who you are. Doesn't it look unprofessional? What will people think? I literally don't care. You should never keep large amounts on a custodial service. If you feel unsafe now, empty your bot wallet. I don't care because I don't earn a single sat running it. It's basically a lot of trouble, but it's also a lot of fulfillment and joy. F*** the banks. Anti-fiat action. In case anyone is still wondering why Bitcoin's decentralization is of utmost importance, now you know why. We would have never been able to build a system like this without the tools like LNBits. It's a truly magical piece of software. An API middleware and wallet management system that sits between your Lightning funding source and all the different Lightning apps you'd ever want to build. And that concludes the short thread, um, but a very interesting perspective. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, as I think it demonstrates so many different things about how the ecosystem is the nature of the protocol, the nature and the lessons of decentralization and scaling that we have seen the end result of and why this is such a perfect example of why and how it is going to change everything because of the way it has scaled. And I think it lends itself um, a vision of what the future of finance actually looks like and how this changes things in an, an extremely similar way to how the internet basically disrupted a handful of industries. And so I want to get into it, uh, but uh, really quick, let's take a fast break for our sponsor for today's episode. I am so happy that Fold was actually in the cycle today because I had forgotten to spin my Fold wheel this morning because I get free sets every morning. You know, I don't know of another app or service by which I get so many sats or I get as many sats as I do from Fold for a lower barrier to entry. Like the service, the premium service is $10 a month, but I get probably $100 or more just in sats back from using the debit card. Then I have a daily spin that I just get sats coming in and I get sats back on gift cards for at major retailers, which I use all the time. A, a great example is that I have used Amazon gift cards since they started offering Amazon gift cards, and I've literally not charged to a card since then because I get more sats, I get a larger percent back by using the gift card through Fold. I have 18,670,000 sats today. That's 0.186 of an entire Bitcoin. Roughly $4,650-ish dollars worth at this moment that will go up with the price of Bitcoin and it only costs me $10 a month. I mean, if I go out and get coffee in the morning, I spend more than $10. And now you can buy Bitcoin in the app with the actual card? And they're going to have roundups? 
so that I can add a little bit of change to every single purchase that I'm putting into Bitcoin? Seriously, if you are in the US right now, this is a huge and very, very valuable part of your Bitcoin world to replace your fiat life with Fold. Check them out and you get 20,000 free sats just for using my link. It is right there in the show notes for your convenience. So this little story is such a great embodiment of some principles, of many of the principles that Bitcoin has embraced. And in my opinion, it shows exactly why and how this is going to be so powerful in the next few decades, how things are going to be changed exactly. And I think the internet has a really great analogous history for us to draw upon to try to get an image of what this is going to mean. And I say it will change over the next few decades, but really this is a new foundation that even the next iteration of things will be built off of when it comes to re-decentralizing or further decentralizing the protocols and the systems of finance, governance, law, like the number of things that you can build on top of it once you have these tools of staking, of providing and proving skin in the game. Like a decent example that I think could be really interesting and you know, you know, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's no big deal and it doesn't have like a fundamental change, but I think it could actually be pretty meaningful, especially in a place or in a system where you can have so many other things where you can essentially do trading, you can do eBay style things, you can, uh, you know, basically have a social media post um, where you're selling software or an app or a script or any sort of service, really. You simply have a platform, a protocol to connect directly to everyone with the things that you are providing on Nostra. I'm, I'm talking about the decentralized network here, social network. And how powerful social networking becomes when you can attach money to it. And suddenly the need to have all of these isolated networks isn't there anymore. When you have a protocol for your profile, your identity, that you can take to multiple apps. So actually a good way to think about this, because this will be relevant to what we're about to discuss um, in regards to what Callie built here and the idea of the Lightning Tipbot. Um, but the way Noster, I think, a good way to imagine it, uh, my sister asked me about it today, so I had to go through and try to explain it and get her to visualize it, and it made me think of podcasts. So when you usually think of social networks, you think I either go to Facebook and I have a Facebook profile and I have Facebook friends, or I go to Twitter and I have Twitter friends and followers and all of this stuff, but when I get a thousand followers or I get you know, a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or something, I go to Facebook and I start from scratch, right? I have to like hit up all my friends and be like, be my friend, yo. They're isolated, closed networks. Podcasting is not like that. Podcasting, you have an RSS feed that you can host with any number of hosts and you have RSS feeds that you can listen to. The podcast feeds themselves that you can listen to with any app. Like, for example, like, I actually have, like, a rough breakdown. It's estimates because it's, like, not for certain, and there's a lot of them that are unknown, or a small sliver of them that are unknown. But it tells me who's listening in the Google Podcasts, in Apple Podcasts, in Overcast, in Spotify. Like, it breaks down all these different things. But you're listening to the same podcast. Like, I don't have a different podcast on Apple Podcasts as I do on Spotify. It's the same feed. You just get it with a different app. And each one of those apps has a different view, has like a different user interface. They have, you know, different features. And, you know, some of them can speed it up to 2x. Some people, some apps can only speed it up to 1.5x. Some just don't have that feature. Some specialize in some other thing. Or they're like Fountain, and they have value for value, and they have a Lightning wallet plugged in, which could be run on this something as simple as a Raspberry Pi or two, even for tens of thousands of users. But you get the idea, the podcast is the same. It's you connect the feed to all the different apps. That's how Noster works, essentially, is you have all these different clients, Damas, Amethyst, Snort.Social, uh, Astral.Ninja, Nostergram.co, all of these different interfaces for the same thing. But you can have one that's designed like TikTok, one that's designed like Twitter, one that's designed like Facebook, because the notes themselves are arbitrary. 
It's simply a communication protocol to aggregate and connect people to all the separate feeds and the IDs of the people that they're trying to communicate with. And this is exactly what has me so excited about Keat and Synonym and Hole Punches. It's actually a, in a sense, it's a competing model of doing the same thing. And it's a different way to accomplish the same task where each user feed is its own quote unquote hyperdrive, like it's part of the protocol. And it's just more designed around torrents rather than um, like, like BitTorrent and the file sharing protocols and how that works. Whereas Nostra is just trying to be a relay, um, a, simple, a simple way to send basic communications over a set of select relays so that anybody can simply host and connect people. And what you would do is you would just connect to as many relays as possible so that you can connect to all those relays, individual users. So rather than connecting to just Twitter, you connect to Facebook, to Twitter, to Instagram, to Telegram, to, you know, all these different apps. They each run their quote unquote host, their quote unquote relay, and you connect to all of them and you have one, you, you essentially become one giant network. But if you get sick of Nostagram.co and you want to use Damas, then you just switch. You take your keys, you take your identity, you take your profile, you take all of your stuff, and you just move it to the new location. And it's still there. You still have your followers. You still have your history. You still have your data. Um, you still have your keys. You're still the only one who can sign for that username. I think what this technology is allowing... And what is being built, the era that we are moving into is the end of platforms. Because the most critical, the platforms are just ways to bridge the failure of having a independent way to establish certain types of communication, to have certain types of reputation. I mean, reputation is one of the major things that all of these different platforms are trying to sell. It's a model of trust. But that's exactly what Bitcoin, Lightning, and the ability to build these things, build monetary incentives into these things, enables. Like, Bitcoin is a trust machine. And I think this is one of those, one of the most significant ways to, or most significant things to watch at how these things are going to slowly, basically pull the rug out from under a lot of major platforms and build a new way for communities to build and develop reputations and trust systems that don't have centers, that don't have third parties dictating how much we should value things, or basically being able to fudge the numbers however they want, which is a rather awesome power, particularly if your network is very, very huge and is widely and very often abused. Now, another thing that this story demonstrates is the principles of scaling that have embodied Bitcoin and just how powerful they are and just what we mean when we say this is how you stay decentralized and not raise the cost for getting massive amounts of additional scaling. Understand, on these tiny little computers, Kali is running the entirety of the Bitcoin system. Sovereign from start to finish, starting with the Genesis block and with every single transaction update. And it is specifically because the base layer, the foundation of this, and the protocol built on top of it are in combination still both so lightweight from a computation and resource standpoint that he can run an instance of the payment layer protocol and the settlement protocol that ensures his payment layer protocol is safe, sound, and sovereign and belongs to him, and that he can always enforce his ownership of his keys and get a 100x at least transaction capacity, potentially thousands x transaction capacity of his Bitcoin presence while barely needing any significant increase in processing costs, storage costs, RAM costs, bandwidth costs this is real scaling if it costs you twice as much bandwidth computation ram and storage to get a 2x improvement in scaling you already failed that is what increasing the block size is it's the dumbest 
most basic way that you can get more capacity, and it is the opposite of scaling. And in fact, it's not even so bad as merely just doubling the bandwidth, the storage, and all of this, and the computation and everything. It's worse than that, because you're talking about downloading and uploading. You're talking about the fact that you have to distribute this information, validate, and then redistribute it across the network numerous times. Already, the concept of Bitcoin as a structure the fact that it's copying and making this data redundant over and over and over again is in fact a hugely negative scaling technology. It doesn't scale capacity on the base layer. It trades off a deeply negative capacity scaling for an enormous magnitude of trust and integrity. Think about how redundant and inefficient it is to do the same task a hundred thousand different times on a hundred thousand different computers to get a couple of transactions through. That's what's happening on the Bitcoin system. But what do you get when you do that? You get an unbelievable integrity and security that those few transactions that happened definitely happened and they're not going anywhere. Decentralization, in a sense, by its very nature, is an explicit increase in costs so that you can get reliability and security. And the fact that he can do this with such a tiny device, which, with such low-cost devices, and at scale for thousands, tens of thousands of users shows exactly how the entire system and an entirely new financial system is going to be possible because of how much it has lowered the barrier for entry into this market, while at the same time removing all of the regulatory structure, all of the jurisdictions, all of the frictions about sending things long distance, all of the risks and counterparty problems and liabilities of knowing whether or not your transaction is even done and the insurance that you would need to to counter the fact that you're constantly being defrauded that you don't even know the juris the security of the jurisdiction that you're you're waiting for settlement from and the amount of time that you have to be tied into these liabilities with spe people specifically you must know because you can't just take a random payment from anybody and you can't just do a random deal with any business or bank or spreadsheet out there you have to be into a licensed permissioned walled garden to even play the game all of this has been ripped away in one fell swoop and you can run the entire structure of the system on two freaking computers which are backups of each other the only reason they there is two computers here is to make it redundant so that the likelihood of losing any of the information is incredibly low and all of it is free. All of it is free. The Bitcoin Core software is free. LND is free. LNBits is free. It is 100% open source software. And he is running a financial service that I use on a global payment system. And it's really freaking handy. This means now, as long as you are willing to use Bitcoin, that's the, that's the one caveat. And everybody will figure this out slowly but surely. But that as long as you are willing to use Bitcoin, that you can get full sovereignty as a service provider with no licenses, no asking anyone's permission, no expensive proprietary software or huge subscriptions, no begging for government permission at any turn, no banking partnerships, no needing to know who you're dealing with financially, no KYC, no bulky professional machines, no massive hard drives and you know database and servers running staggering amounts of bandwidth, no it's only 10 terabytes worth of space, no huge you know one gigabyte up and down fiber business connection, just a dirt cheap computer essentially designed for hobbyists that you can get all the necessary pieces for for a hundred dollars and you can host a financial service a global on a global payment system for tens of thousands of people and with a few simple decisions it can be done without anyone even knowing where it is located and he even provided proof that people in Africa can use it because they were using it.
That's what the video is. They can send and receive payment to any corner of the earth. And anybody else in the world can set up this same tiny little computer and do the exact same thing for their community, for themselves, for their family, for me on the other side of the planet. Doesn't matter. You know, this, you could build this for every small community on the earth. They could host it themselves, but even it doesn't even matter if it's in Africa. Like, that's the thing is somebody in Africa was using this to buy food. But for all, all they know, the service could have been in Africa. But it didn't really matter. The fact that it was in the U.S. made absolutely no difference. And even crazier is when you scale this way, when this is the engineering mindset and you're looking a thousand X, a hundred thousand X out, not only do all of these new avenues and markets suddenly just explode in possibility, but you're looking at something that will further decentralize more and more as time goes on. Decentralization will increase, not decrease, because the hardware advancements will outpace the cost of running the fully sovereign stack. Not they will remain in line with it, not worst of all that they will get worse and never stop getting worse, whether that is quickly or slowly, it doesn't matter. As soon as you bridge that gap, as soon as you get over that hill of, oh, well, decentralization is just getting worse with time, you're doomed. It just depends on your timeline. Are you looking 50 years out, you're completely centralized crap um, that nobody can actually verify from the beginning anymore, or is it eight years out? Pick your favorite altcoin, it's one or the other, or it's already done. Then you start adding cashew, you start adding fediments and things to this. Now you're talking about adding privacy on top of privacy and multiple payment layers together that can work. Like you're breaking down. What's the, what's a good way? The access to freedom and the disruption of a market is in breaking down barriers is when you have something that requires massive amounts of skill or staggering amounts of hard work or you know, like the larger the cost is to get in or participate, the less likely, the more likely there are going to be central entities with n enormous amounts of power and the more likely that the the existence, the mere existence of that power means that it will be abused. And the greater the barrier, the easier the abuse is. The easier it is to use a knowledge gap and an authority gap to essentially get whatever you want or to control the people that you are supposed to be providing a service for. I think I recommended this recently on the show, maybe within a couple episodes, but Nick Zabo's Exit and Freedom. I think this is a crucial principle about how freedom is achieved and why it is fundamentally a technological problem. And it's very much in line with the sovereign individual thesis that the economics of violence is actually what has made the largest impact or is really the fundamental story of our government and political and power structures in the world. It's really about the returns, the economic returns on engaging in violence, the risks of engaging in violence, and then the cost of the victim in avoiding that violence. Now thinking about this in the context of the financial system and massive, massive barriers, getting a banking license, getting partnerships, making sure you have government permission, doing whatever the regulators say you have to do this year, getting hundreds of compliance officers, like running a service and being part of the financial system and being plugged into these things. The only way it even gets done now with FinTech is they partner with somebody else. They can't get money transmitter licenses. They can't get banking charters. So what they do is they have to deal with the gatekeepers, which manipulates how they get to do things, which means that they get top-down rule sets on what they're going to do. And the innovation dies even at that layer where they desperately try to squeeze and irk new things out. You're still in a hierarchy where you have to deal with the person who did get through that barrier. And a perfect example is what all the Bitcoin companies you see have to do. None of them are getting 
they're not actually running in the financial system. They're partnering with the people who do. They're partnering with gatekeepers. But what Bitcoin and Lightning is doing, what Fediment is going to do, what these systems are accomplishing, and what this entire open source monetary stack is able to do, is not just like cut down half the barrier, not just like remove the licenses or, you know, the, the biggest government barrier or make it like a little bit cheaper to run the huge servers and, you know, maybe you only have to partner with one or two people rather than a bunch of different people. And you only have like 10 jurisdictions to deal with and borders to deal with and unfriendly, uh, you know, tyrannical regimes, which you have no idea if your liability is worth anything when you connect it to them. No, none of that. It doesn't slightly take away these barriers. You know, that's usually how technology moves, right? Is you have incremental improvements. You, you remove one little thing in the economy. Fintech's actually a great example of that. Is as they partner with the gatekeepers, they try to make one little thing slightly better or one new feature that you, know, you can't get with a legacy bank. And because they partner with that legacy bank and then they make a piece of software on top of it, you can get it. So it's iterative imp- improvements. It's like tiny improvements over and over and over again until like 15, 20 years down the line, 50 years down the line. Somehow, suddenly, everything is a lot more mobile, and there are a lot, a lot of things you can do, but there's still huge fundamental problems, and there's still massive, controlling, uh, authoritative gatekeepers, even, at, even in this new, highly complex fintech environment, this modern environment. But that's usually how these advancements go. That's usually how the change in the economy goes. But every once in a while, you get a fundamental shift. You get the game itself changes. That is what this represents. And that's also why we're looking at a much, much longer timeline. Because you can't just fundamentally change. You can't you know, shift around the foundation. Like if you have a skyscraper built on top of a foundation and you want to move the foundation to a completely new different, a completely new type of material or structure or design or whatever it is, you don't do that quickly. You don't just like come in and just blow out the whole foundation as it is right now and then, you know, set out something and then start building the next thing. You have to take it out one piece at a time. You have to take out one brick and before you take out the next brick, you have to replace that with your new one. That is what we're doing right now. Brick by brick, we are creating a completely different foundation for a modern global economy and one where an entirely different skyscraper with none of the problems, none of the major problems of our current skyscraper is possible. But when that game, the way that you fundamentally and massively change the game, the structure of the market itself, is rather than incrementally improving the environment of the old, is you build an entirely new foundation that obsoletes the environment of the old. That is what Bitcoin and Lightning have done. But it wasn't a minor improvement. It wasn't even like a knockout 90% of the cost improvement. It was like the barrier before was having to climb Mount Everest. And now the barrier is merely downloading a picture of Mount Everest on your computer. That is not a small shift. That is a massive, massive shift. And so the illusion or the analogous history of the internet to and i think this is grossly underrepresentative of just how powerful this is because even media at the time did not have the barriers that the financial system has i can't think of a market probably healthcare healthcare and finance are probably the two mark and well politics but i'd consider that illegitimate anyway but these are the these are the markets that i think have the biggest barriers where to even participate or be a part of providing a service or doing anything takes 20 years takes staggering amounts of capital that you can't just iterate you can't just innovate you can't just participate and see what happens you can't possibly do that do it at the scale of two people or ten people and this is what the internet fundamentally changed for media and communication before there were huge barriers you had to set up a radio station you had to you know compete you had to out compete the radio stations in some certain area you had to, you had to have a tower and a broadcast you had to be able to get on a cable news station you had to 
uh, have incredibly expensive production and uh, content creation, and you had to sell yourself to the gatekeepers of media, the major cable news networks, that, you know, just certain type of content just was like, they're never going to buy it. There's no dark mirror on cable TV in the 90s. There's no two-hour commentary on, you know, a breakdown of how much a movie sucked. There's no three-hour podcast platforms where you just talk to random people about any arbitrary topic. There's no people selling millions and millions and millions of copies of a song or an album, you know, that's like sampling some other stuff or is just some DJ thing, has no major label label record, just posted something online. Somebody posted the dude, the Wellerman song. Everybody knows that thing, the, the sea shanty thing that blew up. He just posted a thing. It was like he was sitting in a table, like in his kitchen, and he posted a video of him singing this thing. And it got like 40 million views. That is the disruption of the communication medium. Because now anyone can participate. It is simply the act of creating the media, which gets easier and lower cost at an iterative rate after you break down the barriers of the communication, of the networks themselves. Because we created decentralized media. And I mean that in the sense of the communication protocols. And suddenly the ability to do so was opened up to anyone. And it was seen as crazy. If you've done any digging or read the books about like the history of the internet and how, how the internet came about, um, there's a, a number of good ones. I'll, I'll try to think up the, a couple of the ones that um, were the main ones for me that like really stick with me. And I'll stick them uh, uh, into the show notes. So if you want to you read or explore... Uh, definitely highly recommended. But one of the things that always stuck with me was that the cable news networks and like the major like uh, channels and like major media outlets and stuff, when they saw YouTube, they thought it was ridiculous. They thought it was a joke. And they said, this is never going to work. It's so stupid. Who is going to watch someone film themselves for 20 seconds in the backyard with no production quality on, you know, a terrible phone? They don't know anything about lighting. They know nothing. This isn't competition. This is this is ridiculous. But what they should have done, what they should have been, is scared to death. Because the barrier was so low for creating content now that somebody in their bedroom randomly can film a 20-second video in their backyard of them just talking or sharing an opinion about something, and they could upload it to a platform where anybody in the whole freaking world could watch it as long as they had an internet connection. That arrangement is where we have found ourselves with Bitcoin and Lightning, with monetary, payment, economic, and financial services. And all you have to do is use Bitcoin. And another major thing that I think this demonstrates or alludes to is what Parker Lewis talks about in The Great Definancialization, what Alan Farrington Big Al and Sasha Myers talk about a lot in their writings is that this is a readjustment as to what capital means. This is going to shift how we think about financial services, how we think of the concept of finance in general, and why this is actually going to delete and wipe the financial system of all of these derivatives and all of these tokens rather than the opposite. And I think it's a great example of why I, I highly recommend maybe the Only the Strong Survive and Parker Lewis's, and that's Alan Farrington and Big Al, and then uh, Parker Lewis's The Great Definancialization. I will have both of those in the show notes as well. These are brilliant pieces to dig into the concept of why Peer-to-peer -peer finance and non-custodial financial services basically cuts all of the fat. It cuts all of the noise and the authoritative profit. Understand that right now we have a, an entire financial system that is built on authority. And it builds in complexity for the sake of complexity. And then there are whole sections, whole tiers and layers of this system that are simply to get around barriers of authority. There it is, it is, you have an entire layer of the uh, economic system that's literally just the gatekeepers of the fundamental finance, of the financial back uh, backing. 
and the settlement layers, and then the payment layers, and their partners, and their licenses, and then the fintech and the app layers. These layers are completely removed because the authority that makes them need to solve a problem that doesn't really exist have simply been removed, which means that all this trying to mitigate risk, all of this trying to sort out how to trade liability to protect yourself when you don't know when you're going to get settlement and you don't know who you're working with. All of those frustrations and barriers are gone because you can have a non-custodial service, because you have a non-custodial adversarial payment network, because you can connect to any node in the network freely at will, because you can provide DLCs and Oracle services to people who are having options contracts that you can build and stake directly from person to person. RoboSats is actually a service. I've been talking about this a lot because they use the Fidelity Bond thing and I didn't realize it, but they basically require that the parties stake the amount of money that they're doing a trade in so that no one can cheat each other. They've removed a third party. They remove a derivative. They remove a pointless token and another spreadsheet. Because they can directly interact and they can stake multi-sig contracts and agreements directly with each other with skin in the game so you can mitigate the trust without a bunch of institutions and third parties and liabilities and derivatives. It is going to tear the entire structure down piece by piece and replace it with an entirely new foundation that doesn't need any of it where we have increasingly and constantly moved toward greater financialization and another derivative of a derivative and another option and contract and time-based, you know, leveraged bet on top of the next thing. We've just like layer on top of layer on top of layer of risk and liability and counterparty wrapped up into the, the, the collective risk of the next counterparty down the line and debt on top of debt. The entire thing will be flipped on its head. And we'll, we will start building separations where we had been building um, or we, we will build up barriers and trust mitigation and liquidity and savings to protect us from each other rather than constantly tying us together and making us leveraged and dependent upon each other's actions. We will become independent and sovereign. I genuinely believe crypto, I think, is the culture and mentality of finance turned into or trying to be built on top of Bitcoin. It's, it's doing what finance does except with no real capital behind it. It's forgetting that the whole point is to actually make real payments in Bitcoin. It's forgetting that the whole point is to move real funds and capital in the real world that actually produces, thing, produces things and connect people that are actually actually need the money or are actually going to build something productive with it. They're going to make a return on the capital, not a nominal return on some arbitrary inflation rate or some staking or some governance token or some speculative increase in value. It moves back to real capital. And suddenly the focus is what's happening on the real world because the money just works and you no longer have to worry about people cheating the money and you no longer have to defend yourself from the money. You just have to run your own sovereign stack and you have to hold your own keys and you've solved that problem and now you can actually do things in the real world, which was the whole point. It's what financialization has stolen from us. I genuinely believe 90 to 95% of what we think of as the financial system today is going to be proven as entirely redundant and wasteful and it will be ripped out from the structure of the system and it will be all the third parties, all the services, all the industry around it will be removed and it will be turned into software, it will be turned into protocols and it will be turned into friends and family members and like local community members running a service and running Fediments and doing these things that can be done at huge scale and at tiny scale, and then they work just as well, and they have all of the same capabilities. And I think this tiny one story about running a service for people, about, I mean, look at what Just Cali is a part of. It's like a microcosm of, he's on Noster all the time building things, they're doing fediments, uh, and he's built Lightning Tipbot and LNURL, or to provide LNURL to users, and he can provide it to me as easily as any random person in rural Nigeria. That's insane.
That is insane. Now, it will take massive amounts. It has and will continue to take a lot of time to build all of the relevant tools and to get everyone on board because the one barrier we do have is the shift in money. You have to use an entirely different money, and that's not an easy shift, but look what you get on the other side of it. Look at the benefit. Look at the security. Look at the sovereignty that you can get. And when there are entire countries that are completely cut off from the modern financial system, that's not even a choice. That's not even like, that's such a stupid, obvious answer. Oh yeah, of course I'll use Bitcoin. Why would I use my 90% deflated this month fiat currency? So the worse the fiat money works, the more this is a blatantly obvious exa- uh, blatantly obvious choice. And we live in a world in which all fiat currencies are getting worse and worse by the year. They are all destined for the grave. And none of them have made good decisions. There has been no like, I'm going to reverse course and try to try to fix this thing, or I'm going to try to compete with the Bitcoin economy. They have been fundamentally misallocated and bad incentives, and they have increased their misallocation they have increased their controls they have increased their barriers and the loss of value in all of the currencies has gotten worse and they massively worsened all of their debt problems that got them here as a short-term way to get out of the consequences and consider that all of the institutions of trust of governance of authority of finance of money and banking are not sustainable in a world with Bitcoin. The very means by which they operate doesn't work in a world with Bitcoin. Banks literally have no purpose anymore. If they are not taking real savings and loaning to real people who are going to make a real return denominated in that real money, they have no purpose And they cannot survive. And if they think they're going to survive running payment services, they're going to have to compete with a pool of innovators and entrepreneurs that includes anyone on the globe that can manage to obtain a $100 computer. And that's from a service perspective. On a trust perspective, they have to compete with your local friend or family or community member who can run that service for them. So in the context of like a lightning wallet and a payment processor and like running like a node or server instance for someone to run an app, the bank that wants to run that lightning app for my friends, for my family members are going to have to compete with me when it comes to trust because I can offer them lightning wallets on LN bits on my node, which I can have backed up in the cloud. I can have running on my Linux machine at home so that it always stays up and stays available. I can have multiple instances of it if I want. It doesn't cost me very much. And they know that I'm going to do everything I can in my power to protect them. They know and trust me. They can call me if something goes wrong. I'm there to help. And they know it because they know me. They know I'm competent. They know I am knowledgeable in exactly this thing. In comparison to that, how much relevant trust are they going to have in a bank? I don't know. I tend to agree with Callie. I think banks are f***ed. So, anyway, with with that, we will uh, close this episode out. Uh, Thank you to Callie for, honestly, all the things he's building and working on. Um, I followed Callie for a long time, and uh, this was such a great example of just such a cool little thread that just had me, my mind was racing all day. And, you know, he says at the end of it, he's like, you know, why do I share this story? Um, you know, did you see it as unprofessional and like all these things? Like, you can make criticism about that, but it's so funny is that like, it's like criticizing somebody for having like a very basic video on YouTube or throwing together a tutorial on how to do something without really caring about the lighting lighting or anything, but you cared about the content. Like you cared about like, was the tutorial good? Did it explain and solve the problem that they were looking for? You don't need all the flashy stuff. You don't need a brand and a building and a front, you need a license, like all this crap. No, you just want to solve the problem. So funny, this does the exact opposite of make me think unprofessional. It gets me so freaking excited 
because of what it means. Anyway, I'm about to go back into another tangent. Um, uh, thank you to uh, Akali for all of that and for the vitamins. I, I tried out the cashew wallet like once, um, and I think I still have like a tiny balance on the vitamin uh, in there. But um, uh, that is something I definitely need to go back to, and I'm super, super stoked about what vitamin means because vitamin is like a whole new layer to exactly this sort of thing that somebody can hold host a private payments app that is federated rather than custodial on Lightning, and it can be integrated with Lightning and Bitcoin at the exact same time. And just I'm doing it again. Stop. It's cool. You should check out Cashew. I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, really quick though, let's hit our. Uh, uh, we got a bunch of fountain boosts that I'm behind on. So, Mister Mister comes in with 2,100 sats, and this is like seven or eight days ago now. It says paying for my sandwich on the trillion dollar coin episode. Thank you very much. I have gotten a lot of comments about the sandwich. Uh, the sandwich things. Fernando comes in with a thousand sats on read 700. Uh, with a thank you, you are welcome, thank you. Mark C, thousand sats, a race to avoid the war. Also, Black Toshi comes in with 200, Black Toshi, 210 sats, uh, read 700. Uh, they're, he quotes, uh, they're pulling a little bit of gas from all of our tanks to fuel their private jets. This was amazingly said. Thank you. I love that analogy too. Um, my brother and I, have talked about that because we tried to come up with a good analogy when we were talking one day on like you know stealing gas from parked cars to try to incentivize it got a little bit like out of hand and convoluted when we tried to wrap our create the entire structure of the analogy and what ended up and i kind of abandoned it after that because we were trying to go too far with it um but uh what stuck with me was just the idea of just taking a little bit of gas out of everybody's tanks and then they could just fly around on their private jets wherever they want, whenever they want, and they're not contributing anything. They're just stealing it from everybody subtly and quietly, and nobody knows. They just get in their car, and their tank's a little bit less full. And they're like, I can't believe that shit happens again. Why I always be filling this up? And I didn't even, I didn't even go anywhere this week. I gotta fill up my tank again. This don't, this don't make any sense. It's because somebody is stealing that shit. So thank you, sir, for the sats. Uh, Risco, 500 sats. Read 701, lightning for everyone in every app. Lightning's zero to one moments, and so many shitcoiners are sleeping on it. That is true. I still talk to people in quote-unquote crypto who act like lightning doesn't exist, and they tell me it doesn't work, or it's vaporware, or it's custodial, and they don't realize that they're talking to somebody who has like 23 lightning wallets and uses, I mean, I got, I, how many payments do I have today? I've probably gotten, like received 30 or 40 payments today. And I don't know, maybe done four or five, like out to other people. Like, I mean, just every day, like lightning is just a constant presence in my life. And it just like constantly works. Like, it, I mean, if you just go on Noster or Noster, it's just the land. If you go into the land of Nostriches, you'll just see people just zapping everybody like crazy. And a simple tip bot and service that provides Ellen URL that Cali built had tens of uh, 10,000 users. Anyway. Uh, oh, actually, here's another great example. So these people are boosting on fountains, the people I just recommended or uh, uh, read the comments of. And then there's Saints and Sats who boosted in a thousand Sats from the Breeze wallet. So it's not even on Fountain, but it comes in and they can leave a comment still on Fountain. And the comment is boosting from Breeze. So they're not even on the platform. They're not even in the app. They have a completely non-custodial, sovereign mobile lightweight app that has their own channels and their own keys and everything and they can listen to the podcast and they can boost in and give me a thousand sats which is like 26 cents consider how redundant and completely nonsensical now any of the numerous crypto or shit coins that were made specifically around like tipping and monet like bat the bat token all right, a uh, comment from Orange Pilled. 2100 sats. This blows my mind that lightning will be ubiquitous in our daily life. It is in mine. Um, but <laughs> I will be anxiously awaiting those that can build to build quickly. Oh, dude, me too. Uh, and a great basics topic would be self-custody and more importantly, the ins and outs of signing devices of wallets. Definitely, definitely. So 
In fact, Basics Episode 4, I think, right now is the wallets episode and signing devices. And I like that you said signing devices because that is a distinction that I'm going to make very, very clear so that we can understand the difference because there's so many different types of wallets and most people you know, download like or they get Coinbase wallet or Binance wallet and they're like, oh, I'm holding my own keys. I have a wallet. It's like, no, 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 no. And obviously we needed to cover what the idea of keys are before we can understand which one gives you your keys and which one does not. But then it also is exactly what qualifies or, or makes sense of what a wallet actually does and what a hardware wallet does and, you know, quote unquote signing device. Um, but, uh, Hugely appreciated, Orange Pilled, as always. What's up, man? NW jumps in with 1,111 sats. Just like the other guy said, Noster, or archaic spelling Noster, means our in Latin. Love that. That's still so cool. There are ancient coins with Dev's Protector Noster on them. God, our protector. They wrote the U as a V, Deus. Love the double meaning. Oh, wait a second. D-E-V-S is Deus, like as God. And they wrote the U as a V. What? God, our protector, Dev's protector, Noster? That's crazy. Thank you for that little tidbit and those sats. Fernando on read, old, old read, 618, expanding functionality and lightning implementations by Shinobi. Good one, man. I hadn't thought about that one in a while. Just, just wow. I, I agree. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Mark C, 500 sats. A micro strategy essentially pivoting to becoming a lightning incubator company will onboard a ton of S&P companies. It will just onboard people like crazy. And I hope that, um, like, micro strategy, um, basically reinvesting in this. And then also, uh, um, and they're, they're more taking the business side and how to set up a structure and, like, be a, a service provider and things. But then we've also got, uh, wolf by the stone ridge crew and they have they are specifically just a tackling projects and apps and open source software and just everything around lightning basically as an like just dedicating to it to make all open source software and expand the ecosystem that i mean like you start stacking these things on top of each other and then what jack dorsey is doing with just reinvesting and putting millions of dollars toward every decentralized app and new like social media protocol and attempt to solve the communication problem dude all of this is just it's all happening at once and it's gonna it's gonna be so crazy it's gonna continue to accelerate um anyway marxy thank you for the 500 sats it's so cool um and this is just super exciting jade boar comes in with a thousand sats again from breeze thank you awesome thank you uh jade boar comes in the next day uh, also from Breeze, with 10,000 sats, appreciate you giving hope to those of us still stuck in Trudeau land. Oh God, I'm sorry, but I do believe there is hope. I think there is a massive amount of hope, and all of these governments are going to see some of the fundamental pieces of their power, of, of their control, basically be ripped out from underneath them. And they are going to have to adjust and they're going to realize that they either provide a service or they don't get the money. So thank you for the sats and the comment. Risco, 500 sats. Great work. Keep the streak going. Uh, Fedapools as a solution to centralization risk. That was a good one. Michael Matulef, trillion dollar coin. Orange heart, 500 sats. Love it. Uh, and also next one, can't get enough guys takes. Another 500 sats. Thank you, Michael. If you thought I was going to stop doing guys' takes, don't worry. One of the few things that I can seemingly endlessly do and never want to stop doing is talking. And I ended up a podcaster. Who knew? All right, we're going to stop right there for today um, because uh, I am going to have to get ready to uh, give Rat his last fee for the night. And I will catch you guys tomorrow with another episode of Bitcoin Audible we got a lot of great stuff coming. We are going to have NVK on the show. I'm hoping to have the episode out tomorrow. We're going to schedule. I mean, I mean, we're going to do the chat in the morning. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the cold card Q1 and a couple other things that I've been kind of itching to sit down and have a conversation with him about for a really long time. 
Um, so that's really exciting. I am super stoked about that. Like I said, I hope to have the episode out by tomorrow night. Um, so I don't like to have a lot of turnaround. So stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe. Thank you to our amazing sponsors who keep this show running and funded and me fed and lights on. CoinKite, the best in Bitcoin security and hardware devices. Swan Bitcoin, the best onboarding service to buy, to set up a savings, to learn, to understand how to use and safely hold and manage your Bitcoin for the long term. And Fold, the fiat done right card that gets you sats back on everything in life. Quit using fiat without sats and get sats instead. And with that, I'm Guy Swan, and I will catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. And until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. One must acknowledge with cryptography that no amount of violence will ever solve a math problem. Jacob Applebaum This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.